if you've ever done a study of why people don't like church, the number two reason is they just find the people who attend the church not very friendly and accepting. Number one, they feel like the church is all about money, beats them up over the head about money every week, guilts them about money. So we're so to the other end of that that I forgot that we're supposed to take up an offering today. So if that's evidence that we're not really concerned about your money, I got one job around here and forgot about that. So at the end of the service, when we do the last song, we'll take up our morning offering. Let me go ahead and give you my spill on the offering. If you're a first-time guest, keep your money. I say that every week. I have people come to me every week and say, why do you tell first-time guests to keep their money? Money's tight. If they just do a little bit in, it might add up. Here's why. We're not interested in your money. The time that we give back to God is the time for those who call Action Church home to give back out of what God has so abundantly given them. We realize that everything we have is because God gave it to us. He lets us be stewards of it, and we get to give back. If you're a first-time guest today, our gift to you is the service. We don't want anything from you, man. We just want you to know that we love you, that God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about that. So, yes. So we'll take up the offering at the end of the service because we are big fans, contrary to proper belief, of air and lights, and we like to pay the bills around here. Let me start with some encouraging words today. Everybody likes to be encouraged, right? We could all use some encouragement at one time or another, right? Now, you are dead today. You're like a bunch of white folks. I said, hey, at one time or another, we could all use some encouragement, right? Man, by the way, it's good to see so many of you here, man. When you talk about rumors, everybody shows up. Man, I heard, you know what I heard about Gary? I thought, you know what I heard? And everybody's here, man. I'm going to start rumors about Action Church every single week. And they're going to be good rumors. You're going to want to be here every week. And somebody, I'm gonna, we're going to play a game. Four week, four Sundays out of the month, three of the weeks are going to be f- fake rumors, and one of them is going to be a true rumor, and you've got to guess which one's fake and which one's true. But here's my encouraging news for you today. You will experience pain in life. How's that for encouragement? There will be times that life... You good down there, buddy? There will be times in life where life just stinks. There'll be times that no matter what you want to do, no matter how bad you want out of it, all you see is pain. All you see is dark clouds. All you see is valley experiences. No matter how hard you try to fight the pain, you can't fight the pain because pain happens. That's my encouragement for you today. You can't avoid pain. You can't go around pain. You can't go under pain. You can't go over pain. Here's what we need to do and what we need to realize about those crappy times in life, those times of pain in life, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or mental pain or spiritual pain or whatever other kind of pain you can think of, the only option for pain, you can't go around it, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can only go through it. And it's amazing how going through pain can shape our life. And what we can do when we go through pain is we can either allow pain to define us 
or we can allow pain to refine us. And there's a huge difference. You can become marked by your pain. You can become known for your pain. You can become labeled by your pain. You can become defined by your pain. Or you can be shaped in your pain. You can grow in your pain. And you can begin to allow God to refine you in your pain. The Bible says this. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. God says, I have refined you. I am molding you. I am shaping you. When they take silver, they would send it through the fire, and it would begin to burn out all the impurities. And they would send it through the fire over and over to get rid of the blemishes and the imperfections and the, the, all the things, the dirt and the grime. And the more, listen, don't miss this, the more they sent the silver through the fire, the more pure it became on the other end. God says, I am sending you through the furnace of affliction. He said it is an affliction, it is in pain that you are shaped. He doesn't say, hey, your life will be defined by the good times you go through. Hey, it doesn't say it's in the sunny times that everything's right. Hey, you know why it's so hard to reach happy people for the cause of Christ? Because when they're happy and when life is great and when everything's going good and the marriage is good and the kids are good and the finances are good and everything's great, we're not moldable during that time. We got it all together, man. Life's good, zippity doo zippity day. My, oh my, what a wonderful day, man. We are great during those times. But the affliction comes. The fire comes. The heartache comes. And the pain comes. And it's during those times that we sink so low that we have nowhere to look up. And that's towards God. And God says, now I can begin to do with you what I want to do with you. I've seen it in my own life, man. When life's falling apart, man, I am all about me some JC. I'm all in the Word. I'm all in prayer. I'm all in my time. And the minute things are great, I'm back to cruising along in Gary mode. I'm in control. When things are wrong, it's God, I need you, and I'm begging you, and I'm asking you to work through me in this time and restore this and help this and take care of this. God, you know where I'm at. But when things are good, it's not that I, I, I don't want to intentionally forget about God, but we have that need that we seem to only look towards God in the times of affliction. So it's in the furnace of affliction that we grow. If you were to look back over your life, if you were to look back over your finances, and you are good financially, you're in healthy financial shape today, and you know how to manage your money, and you know how to budget, and you know how to save, I guarantee you got to that point because there came a time in your life when you almost lost it all. And the affliction you learned. If you're here today and your marriage is great and it's strong and it's bonded and it's got a foundation, here's what I'm telling you today. I wish I could tell you that I bet it's always been that way. But it hasn't been. It was in the furnace of affliction. It was when you almost lost your spouse. It was when you almost made the worst decision of your life. It was through that you became moldable. Your kids. It's always amazing me and my kids grow stronger after periods of me wanting to wring their freaking necks. You say you do that? Oh. Kids, man. Nothing.
nothing to bring you pain like kids. That's good preaching. I get sidetracked on that today. <laughs> had a discussion with someone this week about kids. We, miss, we, miss, we mess up with our kids. The Bible says, train up a child in the way it should go. And when it's old, it will not depart from it. See, we're too busy raising our kids. You raise goats. The Bible says you train your kids. You train them in the way to go. You teach them how to go. It doesn't say they won't waver from it, but it says when they're old, they will return to what they were trained. <laughs> oh, I got to get back to this sermon today. <laughs> See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. If you're ever going to talk about someone who's been through the fire, there's a lot of people in the book that's been through the fire. But I don't know if there's a better example of going through the fire. And listen to me, I don't apologize for this, but I will acknowledge it. I preach about them all the time. But there was nobody who went through the fire like Paul did. I mean, Paul went. He's kind of like the Bible's version of the unsinkable Molly Brown. Does anybody know who the unsinkable Molly Brown is? She was the, one of the survivors of the Titanic. She was the most famous survivor. And, and the, the joke was you, you couldn't kill her. She was unsinkable. Man, Paul's kind of like the unsinkable Molly Brown. I mean, I mean, think about it. He simply refused to go down with the ship. Literally. Three times. Not one time. Not two times. But three times he was shipwrecked. I think I'd stay off boats. He said one time he spent a full day and a full night out on the sea, shipwrecked. I imagine just floating around on a two-by-four. Full day, full night, out there in the open sea. Not only was he shipwrecked three times, he was stoned. Action Church. Are we tracking right here today? By stoned, I mean they picked up rocks and they stoned him. Not like what most of y'all did last night. Okay? I just want to clarify. We try to meet people where they are. I don't believe like, man, they said that guy in the Bible was stoned. Talking about they threw rocks at him. He was beaten with fists, rods. Scourged five times. He was chased, scandalized, he was slandered. He was the focus of riots and death threats. And one time while he was shipwrecked, he was bitten by a snake and almost died on the island. <laughs> he was thrown in prison. He was executed for his beliefs. And as you read Paul's letter to the churches, you might see that Paul was continually frustrated with the churches of the day. You might even say, man, it doesn't seem like his work was very successful. He went through so much pain. But the reality is, don't miss this, Action Church exists today. Because of the pain Paul went through thousands of years ago. 
Every church in this country exists. Back that up. Every church, I dare say, in the world exists because Paul spent his life starting churches. And guess what those churches did? They started churches. Who started churches? Who started churches? Who got in ships and went to other countries that started churches? That started churches? That eventually, somehow, thousands of years later, somebody ended up in Canton, Georgia, and they started a church. In the midst of his pain, he accomplished the mission God had for him. And here's the reality about pain. And the quicker you accept this, the better off you'll be. Pain is unfair. It's just not fair that I'm going through this. It's not fair that they're battling cancer. It's not fair. They're a good person and they're about to lose everyone. You need to understand something today. And I'm not trying to be cold-hearted. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. And I'm not trying to be unsympathetic today. Nowhere in this book are we promised fair. Nowhere. The Bible never says, hey, life will be fair. The Bible never says, contrary to popular belief of so many preachers today and their positivity message, boy, if you follow God, everything's going to be great and life's going to be fair. It doesn't exist. Life isn't fair. <laughs> Jack Benny, the famous actor, one time he won an award. And I love what he said in his speech. He said, I really don't deserve this award. He said, but I have arthritis and I don't deserve that either. We don't always get what we deserve. We live in a day and time where we're all going to experience pain. We're all going to experience heartache. We're all going to experience discomfort. It's just part of life, but we also live in a day and time where we hate to experience pain. And we hate to experience discomfort. So what we do is we live our lives doing whatever we can to avoid going through the pain in life. <laughs> Even something as simple. Yeah, I, I love it when just things come together. I got a buddy who works for the city of Woodstock. And the city of Woodstock opened a bunch of new trails. And so to be funny, about four weeks ago, he sent me an email. He said, I thought you'd get a kick out of this. I can't send it to anybody else. He said, these are some of the comments on the comment cards from the new trails we just opened. I didn't think anything about it. I read it. I laughed. Then I was putting this sermon together. I was like, man, we hate pain. We hate discomfort. We do whatever we can to avoid it. Listen to some of the complaints or some of the comments on the comment cards about the new trail in Woodstock. The trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. <laughs> Check this one out. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. How about this one? Enjoy the trails. But too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spiders' webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. This one was my personal favorite. Chair lifts need to be in some places so we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them. A small deer came and stole our snacks while we rested. Is there a way we can get reimbursed? <laughs> hey, this is in our county. 
People hate pain. How about this? Reflectors need to be placed on trees every 50 feet so people can hike at night with flashlights. <laughs> Escalators would help up the steep hill sections. I'm actually for this one. I'm all for it. And if I had the money, I would do it. Could we please get a McDonald's at the top of the trailhead? <laughs> and then this is my favorite one. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. I, I, I'm not a trail builder. I don't play one on TV. But I would imagine if there's no trail... That's your marking. Here's your sign. We hate pain. We complain about it. When the city, Christine and I have walked those trails. They're amazing. Like if you haven't walked the trail system in Woodstock, you have missed out. Listen, action, that's called physical activity. As you can tell, I don't do a lot of it. But occasionally I do it, and they're beautiful. So instead of sitting back thinking, wow, man, our city built these beautiful things for us to walk, and they're cool, and you can get all over the town, and, and actually they pass a couple of bars, and man, it's kind of cool, and man, I dig it, and cool little places to eat. We, we just complain because we might have to go uphill. We hate discomfort. We're not fond of pain. We're not even faint, fond of a little discomfort. We rebel at the suggestion of pain. Most marriages don't make it because the minute there's pain, we're ready to bail. We reject the suggestion that pain might be good for us. But I need you to understand something today. The Bible makes it very clear that the lessons of life are almost always taught in the classroom of suffering. It's in the times of suffering that we're teachable. It's in the times of suffering that we're moldable. It's in the times of suffering that God's able to take us and begin to work in our lives. There are times in life when pain is necessary. And you can fight the pain. You can get angry about the pain. You can get bitter at God about the pain. Or you can embrace the pain. Realizing that there will come a day in your life where you look back on your life and the healthy place you're in today was because of the pain you went through yesterday. Pain sucks. I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all. Because the pain shapes us for the future. Paul dealt with pain. As much as I've preached on Paul and pain, I've actually never used this verse, but it's an awesome time of experiencing the pain that Paul went through. Look what he says. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, let me tell you something. Theologians have debated for years on what this thorn was. 
Some people believe, because there's other verses that talk about Paul had an eye problem. They believe he had a problem with his sight. Some theologians believe because he had an eye problem, it led to severe headaches, and Paul dealt constantly. There's times where Paul, Paul talks about the struggle of being single, and some people believe the thorn in his flesh was lust. Here's the reality of the situation. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. And I believe that's intentional. Because had God told us exactly what the thorn in the flesh was, we wouldn't be able to apply it to all of our lives. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Look what he says about it. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Some of you are like, I got that. It's called my wife. Don't say that next to her today. I was probably Brad who's saying it, Eileen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's okay to laugh. Eileen knows she's mean. Look what it says. Three times. Three times. I pleaded. It's so descriptive to me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Is there another verse, Xander? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. Paul said, I have just decided that I delight in the pain because when I'm weak, then he's strong. We could close it down right now and go home. Those verses preach themselves. But we're not going to. I want to point some things out to you today. First one is this, and I kind of went over it a minute ago, and I won't stay here long. Pain happens. Pain happens. I got to be honest with you today, from a logical point of view, it would seem to me, especially if I was God, and it's probably a good thing that I'm not, but if I was God, I would, it would seem to me like I would reward those who were serving him with less pain. Nobody served God like Paul did. From a human standpoint, if anybody deserved to be pain-free, to live a fair life, it should have been Paul. It, it seems like he was out accomplishing something for the gospel. He was out starting churches. He was out spreading the good news that Jesus Christ had died on the cross and resurrected from the grave. If there was anybody that I think should be going through life, man, with, with, with bubbles and unicorn farts all around them, it should have been Paul. But pain was a constant in his life. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, didn't get a pass from pain. In fact, as he sets about the world, he's planting churches. He's become a, a leader of the, the church movement. It seems like he actually endured incredible amounts of pain. He literally has a resume of suffering. Multiple imprisonments. Beatings, floggings, canings, life-threatening experiences, stoning, shipwrecks. Like I told you, all the things, floating in the open sea. There was times he didn't have enough food, enough clothing, enough sleep. There was times that his friends abandoned him. Hello? He'd been chased by bandits. He not only, here's what's amazing about Paul. 
The non-religious of the day hated him. And the religious hated him more. You talk about not winning for losing. The non-religious hated him. The religious took a whole nother level. The religious can be the most vile, wicked, judgmental people in the world. Somebody say amen. If you don't look like them and act like them and love like them and dress like them and speak like them and do exactly, man, you are wrong and they will attack you. I say, man, the Christian army is the only army that shoots its own. Man, Paul took a beating from everyone. And he battled temptation and he battled anxiety over the young churches that he was starting. And now here he is. And he says, I have a thorn in my flesh. Can you put that first verse back up? I was, thank you. Man, Xander, you're good, boy. He said, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, you need to understand something here. You ever had someone say, man, they're just a thorn on my side? But he goes on to clarify that, how serious that thorn was. He said, man, it was like a messenger of Satan. I've been through some stuff in my life. And I have dealt with some people in my life. And I don't know that I ever referred to them as a messenger of Satan. Simply put on the earth to torment me. But whatever this thorn in Paul's flesh was, whatever this pain was, it was so severe that, like, that's just a powerful word to me. It tormented him. This week, we were going to the concert in Woodstock last night. And everybody brought their chairs over to our house. And Christine said, we got chairs. I said, we don't got any chairs. We have chairs, Gary. They're out in the front of the camper. If you're just too lazy to go out there and get them. I think she set me up. I don't want to be lazy. And I wanted my wife to have a place to sit. So I grabbed the front of the camper. We have a pop-up camper, and it's got this drawer, this chest at the front of it. Pop, pop, pop. Unlock it. I lift it up. And when I tell you in .01 seconds, I felt this pain in my stomach like I had been shot. I thought Mario, my next-door neighbor who hates me, had finally shot me. <laughs> and I flared back because I'm very dramatic. And the burning sensation throughout my stomach swelled out. And all of a sudden, there's wasp everywhere. Killer wasp trying to kill me. They had set up in my camper, and I slammed it. And I, I like, every, like, looking back, I wish you had a camera on you. Like, I'm out there, and I said, I tried to jerk my shirt off because I thought it was in my shirt. And it was horrible. And Christine's in the shower. I stagger in the house. Literally, I stagger in the house. I'm like, Christine! She jumps out of the shower. I just really want to see her jump out of the shower naked. That's the whole point. But she's like, what? I said, I think there's something in my stinger in me. And she's like, what are you talking about? And there wasn't a stinger in me or anything like that. But, but it felt hard. point is, it was pain. Okay? <laughs> and it was horrible. And now it's all expanded out, and it's all weird. I'm pretty sure I'm dying, and I'm pretty sure the poison is coursing through my veins as we speak, because this happened on Friday. But everybody tells me it's normal. I don't believe y'all, because I think y'all been trying to kill me all for seven years. And so, man, it was pain. And it was torment. 
Like it was horrible. Now, and, and then I thought to myself, well, Lisa Ziegler got stung in the eye a few weeks ago. Like she had it worse. I said, she didn't have it worse than me. She's a woman. She's tough. Like she spit out kids. Big deal. She got stung by a wasp and I, I am a wuss. And so therefore mine here hurt worse. And then lo and behold, I got to get one up by Lisa Gaithman on Facebook. She gets something like by like six of them, ends up in the ER. And I'm like, well, big deal. She's allergic. She should have had an EpiPen. She should have been prepared. I was an innocent bystander minding my own business, trying to do something for my wife or she didn't have to stand as she watched the Journey Tribute Band. And I just wanted to get her a chair and they attacked me. And it was like torment. And right now it itches, but I'm trying not to be that weird preacher as I pretty like, like I haven't bathed or anything. So I just keep trying to move like this. My undershirt scratches it. And like, I'm in tormented right now. And that's kind of what I imagine Paul was like with this thorn in his side. It was like a messenger from Satan. Like, I have decided that wasps are right up there with cats. Satan created them to be evil. <laughs> Paul has this thorn in the flesh. And he says it's horrible. On a serious note, man, some of you have been through pain like this. Some of you have been through the process of cancer treatments. And, and, and I've seen it literally decimate people. And I imagine the pain is just horrible torment. I've seen people struggling to come clean from addictions and it literally tearing their body apart and it's tormenting them. Paul begged God to remove the pain. He might have reasoned with God and said, God, here's why I think I'd be more effective if you removed the pain. God, I could do this if I didn't have this pain. God, I, I could write more letters and I could write more of the New Testament and I could do it a little bit quicker and God, I could prove how powerful you are. And he three times, the Bible says, three times. What's that next verse, Sander? Three times. He pleaded. That word pleaded means he cried out, he begged, he pleaded with God. Please, God. Please, God. Please, God. Take it away from me. And the pain didn't go away. Whatever the problem was, we see throughout the Bible that it stayed with Paul for quite a long time, possibly even the rest of his life. I mean, think about our Savior, Jesus, knew pain. Weeping, he knew emotional pain, weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend who had passed away. Crying over the lostness, the unrepentantness of, of Israel. They say they were like sheep without a shepherd. He knew physical pain as he hung on a cross for us. He knew personal pain as Judas betrayed him. Here's the cool thing about our God. He's walked where we've walked. God doesn't understand my pain. He understands your pain because he's been through it. Pain happens. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Pain happens. And it sucks and it hurts, and it can destroy us, and it can help us grow bitter, and we can fight it, and we can fight it, and we can fight it. Or we can embrace it. I don't know why I didn't put this in my notes, but 23rd Psalm, man, it says, 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because God's with us. In your pain, God's with you. In your pain, God says, I hate that you're going through this, but get ready because I'm getting ready to do something in it. It seems silly to make the case that pain's the part of life, but think about it. Life starts with pain. Think about it. You're born. You're not making a sound. They reach over and they slap you across the butt to get you crying. Life starts with pain. Pain's part of life. The question is, what will we do when pain happens? You're going to fight it or you're going to embrace it? You want to praise God in the pain? Or are you going to blame God in the pain? I love Jesus. I love, oh, things went bad. I'm mad at God. I never understood the whole I'm mad at God thing. I, I, you being mad at God, you'll lose that battle. Hey, newsflash for you. Guess what? You know why you'll lose? Because he's God and you're not. You can fight it, you can get mad. And, and, and you know what's funny? As I got stung, did I mention I got stung by a wasp? I was rubbing at it and scratching at it because the pain was so bad. But the more I did that, the worse the pain became. And I scratched it so much that it started bleeding. So now I'm bleeding, and I'm in pain. Instead of just sitting back and embracing the pain, putting some cortisone on it and moving on. Man, pain will kill you. You, you know something else about pain? Pain has a purpose. Pain has a purpose. And I want to be real careful here. There's a fine line here. People tell us all the time that God will not give us more than we can handle. How many of you heard that? God will not give you more than you can handle. God never said that. Sounds good. Sounds good to encourage people. I know you're going through so much, but God must think you're strong because God will never give you more than you can handle. I've heard preachers get them say, God, I never give you more than you can handle. If you're going through a lot, it's because God realizes you're strong. Bull crap. I hate feel-good theology. I did a whole series on that, remember? I did a whole series called God Never Said That. Oh, old granny, she's in heaven looking down on me, my guardian angel. Sorry, God never said that. Not trying to burst your bubble about your granny. If she's in heaven today, she's at the feet of Jesus worshiping him. God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, if God would never give us more than we can handle, then why do we need him? Let me, let me say that again. Because that's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. I've heard some black ones do it. But a white one's getting to do it today. Say amen, Kevin. (laughs) 
If God will never give us more than we can handle, then why do we need God? We will go through so much more than we can ever handle because it's in those times that we turn to God. We look to God because we can't get through it on our own. If you can fix your marriage, then you're not to the point where you need God yet. And if you can fix your finances, or you can fix your hurt, or you can fix your habit, or you can fix your hang-up, then you're to the point that you don't need God yet. Sometimes God's got to give us so much pain and so much brokenness and so much heartache that we have no choice but to look to Him because unfortunately, we make Him the last resort. Think about it. All we can do now is pray. Maybe you should have been praying all along. We look at it like that's the last resort. Like that, well, we're at the end now. All we can do is pray. Man, when all you can do is pray, that's a good place to be. That's a place of brokenness where you're on your face and you're called out to the creator of the universe to work on your behalf. Thank God that all we can do is pray. Pain has a purpose. I don't know what the purpose is in your pain. But God does. He says we know that good, that all things work together for good. Is that Romans 8, 28? All things work together for good to him that loved the Lord. It's not Romans 8, 28. Some theologian that listens to the podcast will tell me how I'm wrong. Things work out. I don't know the purpose in your pain. But God does. And I know this. Your biggest mess and your biggest misery will be used as your biggest ministry one day. There's a purpose in that horrible marriage. I don't know what it is, but it might be later on down the road because God knows he's going to put you in a healthy marriage and a great marriage, and you're going to be able to minister to that girl who's about to give up, who's about to ready to dial it in, who's about ready to walk away, who thinks that God's given up on you and you know what, I thought the same thing, I've been there, I've done that, I've got the t-shirt and the scars to prove it, and God will deliver you from this. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that you're going through the pain of addiction. But here, maybe the purpose is that God knows you're going to come along one day and you're going to have paths going through some people. And, and, and those, those paths that go through some people are saying, hey, you can overcome this and you can beat this and you can have victory over this. You know why? Because I've been where you've been. We've got some people in our church, a married couple, because of their lifestyle choices, They've not been accepted at other churches. They call the churches and say, hey, this is our lifestyle. Are we welcome? Well, oh, you're welcome to come. And what they find out is they're welcome to come. And they're welcome to give. But they're not welcome to join or welcome to serve. And so after about five or six of those experiences, they ended up at Action Church. And they came to Action Church... A little bit jaded. And a little bit skeptical. Now they've been here two and a half, three years, and they'll tell you straight up. I came here because almost every Sunday, at least two or three times a month, there's other people that have been through what we've been through, walked through these doors. And they said, we'll be honest with you. You walk through these doors and you look around. This is kind of a scary group. <laughs> and we always go up to them and say, man, don't let the scariness fool you. They're all loving and they're great. And they're totally accepting our family loves it here. Their pain put them in a purpose. There's a purpose in your pain. 
some of the worst pain in my life has led to me helping other pastors going through the same thing. This week, sitting at home, get a text message from a pastor that at one time pastored the third largest church in America. And at one time was my best friend in the world. And 10 years ago, it went silent. Never heard from him because I had been through some pain. And then about two years ago, he went through some pain. And the minute I heard, sitting there with her, I remember like, I said, I'm six and send that joker a text. And I got to be honest with you, everything in my flesh wouldn't be like, But I sent him a text and said, man, I want you to know it sucks what you're going through. And I love you. And I've been there. And I've done that. And he sent me one or two texts back, one word text. He didn't have any interest. Haven't heard from him in, I looked at it, 23 months. Because it shows you when the previous text came. Now, the clear blue, I don't know where you were. I was home alone. Thursday. Oh, I guess maybe you're still out of town. And um, sitting there minding my own business. I get a text. Hey, not sure this is still your cell phone number. Man, I need your forgiveness. I am so sorry. Blob, I don't want to go into all the details of what he said. But when you sent me those texts two years ago, believe it or not, it helped me. And I'm so sorry I wasn't a friend to you. Here's the deal. I'm not looking to be his friend. I ain't really talked to him in 10 years. I sent it back and just said, hey, thank you. No apology needed. God's getting ready to do great things through you. Pain has a purpose. I, I believe this individual, he's, I know he's about to, he's about to start a church, and I believe he's going to reach thousands of people because of the pain he's been through. And the pain I went through gave me a purpose to reach out to him and let him know God wasn't done with him. And maybe just a little bit gave him the motivation to keep on going and thousands of people will be saved because of that. <laughs> There's a purpose in pain. Some of the stuff you've been through, here's the deal about the pain you've been through. The pain you've been through allows you to reach people that I'll never reach. Because I don't have the pain, and I don't understand. I don't know the hurt. I don't know how that feels, but you do. Because you've been there, you've done that, you've got the scars. And there's a purpose in it. I've got to get done today. Pain has power. Pain has power. Can you go back to those verses, Xander? Go to the next one, please. Go to the next one, please. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. It's key right here. It's Paul speaking. But he said, who said? God. Think about this. God was speaking to Paul audibly in his pain. You say it was Paul that happened all the time. No, actually, the Bible only records it happening three times. Paul's on the Damascus Road. He's out killing Christians, persecuting Christians, and his name was Saul. God came to him. Sixteen weeks after that happened, theologians believe about four months after that, God spoke to him again and told him his mission in life. Theologians believe this is almost 20 years later. Paul's been through a lot during that 20 years. And God spoke to him through his word, to his promptings. But here, 20 years later, he speaks 
audibly to him. He says, you need to know, you've asked me three times to take it away. Take it away, take it away, take it away. He says, but my grace is sufficient for you. I don't need to take it away. My power, power is made perfect in your weakness. Where you're weak, God's strong. Where you feel weak, that's when God's power comes along and says, I am going to fill the gap. We look to things to fill the gap. We look to people to fill the gap. We look to possessions to fill the gap. We look to money to fill the gap. We look to alcohol to fill the gap. We look to drugs to fill the gap of our pain. And God says, look to me, I'll fill the pain. Because when you get low in the area, my power is able to come along and fill that void. There's power. So Paul said, man, because he told me this, therefore I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Why? So Christ's power can rest on me. He said, I want everyone to know this is my weakness. This is my struggle. This is my hurt. This is my habit. This is my hang-up. You know why? Because when I tell them, man, this is how low I am, and they see where I'm at in life, it gives more glory to God. I love that people look at this church and they say, there's no way Gary Lamb pulls that off. You're right. (laughs) This was a Gary Lamb show. There'll be about... Well, one person here, Christine, because she's married to me. Well, and Jeff, because I got some bad pictures of him that I'd blackmail him with. (laughs) That's it. What happens here is a God thing. This is the church that shouldn't exist. We've broken every rule in starting a church. We started in the poorest part of town. We started with no money. We started with the religious hating us. Oh, they still do. That's right. We accepted all the people that aren't accepted in church. We feed the people that really are never going to help pay the bills around here. And we clothe the people that are never going to have the bills. And during the winter, we house the people that are homeless that are never really going to help us pay the expensive utilities around here. And, and every, we've never spent $1 advertising because we've never had a dollar to advertise. Can't afford to get the sign moved. Just glad it's in the same building. And, uh, man, we've, we've broken every rule. And it's been painful. And it's been painful to me and painful to my marriage and painful to all kinds of aspects. <laughs> but it's during those times that God's power comes along and just does something cool. And God reminds us, I'm in charge. I'm in control. Man. For most of Paul's pain, Jesus wasn't talking to him audibly. But here he says, I want to remind you in your weakness, my power is able to make it. Why was your marriage restored? Because of God's power. Why did your child come home? Because of God's power. 
Why were you able to get whatever fixed or whatever settled? Because of God's power. You don't get through pain on your own. Matter of fact, here's what I've learned. (laughs) When I try to fix my pain on my own, I make it worse. Pain happens. You're going to get stung by a wasp every now and then. There's a purpose in pain. I was like, what's the purpose of me getting stung by that wasp? Well, my daughter comes home today. And when my daughter comes home, her and my son play outside right around that camp for all the time. So, so I like to think that God was saying, hey, there's a purpose. You don't want the kids to get stung. So I'm going to get you stung where you know it's out there. And there's power in pain because let me tell you something. In 2.3 seconds, I was completely almost naked in the parking lot. And I had slammed the door and almost picked the camper up and moved it. There's power in pain. See, the sermon works no matter what happens. All joking aside, here's the deal. You're going to go through pain in life. I wish I could, I wish that I wish that I could wish I could tell you it wasn't going to happen, but it's going to. Pain happens. Start looking for the purpose in the pain. You say, I can't find it. it. It might be 20 years later before it's revealed to you. But there's purpose in it. We tend to be negative. Instead of being negative, start being positive in your pain and look into God's power in your pain. Because it's in your pain that you'll see the power of God like never before. Problem is, we're just too focused on the pain. We're too focused on us and how it affects us to realize God's moving in the midst of it. Pain happens. What you choose to do with it strictly in your court. Every head bowed and every eye closed.